0: Uh, welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. I'm your host Paul, going to be joined by John and Pete. We're going to be talking AFL, NRL, oh, Coxquake idiocy. We're going to be talking NFL, EPL, uh, Champions League, any sport you can think of. We're going to give it a bit of a bash. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Super show tonight, glad to have you boys on board
1: Mate, it oh, is great to be able to talk some football with you And be able to talk some sports with you And uh, be joined by the sensational
0: John as well Thanks
2: Pete for your well, kind so, words, They're um,
0: much busy, appreciated Busy time in the world of sport, guys We'll get straight into the uh, EPL, why don't we? Um, we all love the, uh, can we call it the EPL these days? I have no idea uh started out with a really controversial Merseyside derby 2-all draw Everton and Liverpool did you guys get to catch any of that any of the highlights of the game at all
1: yeah i definitely watched the uh, watched the game itself and uh i felt like there were there were too many times that um We kind of spoke about the controversial moments of the game rather than kind of enjoying the the spectacle of football that was kind of, you know, Carlo Ancelotti's Everton who have been playing sensational football all season. Um, Liverpool, who are obviously trying to play free-flowing attacking football, current champions of the league. uh, They're trying to play some exciting football. The 2-2 draw was kind of a, a fair result, a decent result. Obviously, unfortunate to see the likes of Virgil van Dijk, off injured and sustained that long-term injury. Likewise, unfortunate that Thiago uh, Alcontranta ended up having a goal for scans on his ankle. And likewise, unfortunate that, you know, the key talking point of that game all came down to Vea Yaa and the unlikely offside elbow of Sadio
0: Mane. Yeah, I, look, there's so many talking points in this game. First of all, Merseyside derby, you know, Evidence still on top of, of, of the EPL ladder, but that tackle that 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 tackle that hurt Van Dyke it was horrendous. It's one of the worst I've seen in a long time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, look, it was pretty awful. Um uh, It was actually
1: a great uh, little bit of uh, commentary from Zelko Kalic uh, on a recent podcast um where he said. First thing as a goalkeeper coach, he didn't actually understand why Pickford came out with his feet when, you know, a keeper can use hands. So why not use hands? So from kind of a um, from a technical point of view and from kind of like a fundamental goalkeeping perspective, he just went, I don't understand why he came out the way he did and the reckless type of a challenge that he put on.
2: Any thoughts there, John? Uh, I never really met a, a really good go- uh, goalkeeper who had their own team. <laughs> a- and, and you know, and that's because they put themselves yep. in danger of the very nature of their job. I, I think sometimes things are going to go wrong. I think, and I'm not going to per se defend Pickford at this point. However, goalkeepers have to come off their line from time to time. Um, yep. I think that they're overly protected sometimes, but I think that they're, that you know, if you're going to spread yourself and make yourself big in front of, let's face it, Van Dyke's a huge human being, um, and he gives out plenty at both ends of the field. Yeah, things happen, man. It's a it's a physical sport, and and I certainly, um, you know, I, I don't think we need to have, you know, any you know, a uh, Spanish Inquisition into it. I think uh, things happen really quick. Deal with it. Get on with it. Probably could have been carded. Red cut of whatever, just like the ongoing stuff of wailing and gnashing of teeth of, oh my God, I can't believe that, like, you know, a keeper injures an, out, an outfield player. Uh, I can live with that.
0: There was even talk, um, you know, from a lot of, you know, talk back uh, over the last few days that it was a deliberate action. Oh, that's and rubbish. that, yeah, I thought so too. I thought so too, but that was a really constant theme going around. And, and the VAR at the end was, uh, as, as bad a decision as you will ever seen. I'm sick of talking about VAR. That should just be a goal. Liverpool get a weight winner as they normally do. Maybe it's good for the game um, that the competition's so tight.
2: Well, do you want to talk about I mean, I, I detest VAR. I watch it week by week, you know, and you get some go your way, you get some go against you. But, you know, this uh, within a millimetre of accuracy, trying to find the perfect outcome on everything, it just, it's slowed down. You can find a reason to disallow every single goal. And I mean, they They should go to VAR after every cross or every corner and find somebody who, you know, breathed on someone's shirt.
0: I think we as a group have agreed before that um, it's there for the stinkers. It's there for someone who's, you know, two foot, offside or you know the handball where the guy has thrown his hand out it's not for these tiggy touchwood things or it shouldn't be it's every game and it's every half absolutely chelsea and southampton are absolutely sensational three all draw uh city over arsenal in a really scrappy game Uh, you know city are not getting any flow at the moment in this season but it's pretty early on uh john we might skip over the result from your team mate uh just never in the hunt against Man U, losing 4-1. I don't
2: agree with that at all. Um, I really don't agree with that. And if you watched the game, what you would have seen is up until the 80th minute. Um, and I need to have a little missive moment here to both of you guys. And apology hmm. to David uh, Gia. Because I spent a fair bit of time teeing off on him. Uh, and I thought he produced one of the best saves that I've seen for years. Um, in the second half, which was a little toe poke from um, our striker, Wilson. Would have put us in front. And, uh, and he just... Yeah, it does change the game. He dug yeah. it out and he pushed it away. And it was just the time yeah. of it... I thought it was... It, it looked like it was going to be an incredible goal poachers goal, which is something we haven't had since Alan Shearer was hanging around. Um, but it yeah, turned yeah. out to not to be that way. And then they went bang, bang, bang. You see their bench? Their bench they were bringing on um, uh, Pobga, uh, Pogba. And then they're bringing on Van de Beek. You go, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think that their manager's doing enough with the squad he's got because they hung out Jose for it. Um, yeah. I don't see much difference these days.
0: No, no, no same here. Uh, United, uh, Sheffield United and Fulham were one-all draw, same as Crystal Palace uh, and Brighton Hovel. Sorry, Paul, That's before we go too much said. further,
1: I actually want to just highlight in that Newcastle game uh, something really mm-hmm. amazing that actually happened with the Newcastle supporters, whereby um, if people are unaware... Uh, then, look, British TV have actually decided that they wanted to make Premier League games pay per view, which actually uh, basically made games fourteen ninety five pounds per game pounds. to be able to watch. Yep. Um, now, the Newcastle United fans basically said, "No, we're not going to be able to do that. It just doesn't make sense." And actually, uh, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust ended up raising over twenty thousand uh, pounds in terms of people who didn't want to pay the pay-per-view and instead donated towards a uh, local food bank. So, look, sensational work that's from the amazing. Newcastle United fans to be able to raise £20,000. Brilliant yeah. stuff.
0: Uh, that, is, that is sensational. Can
2: I say something about that too, Paul? And I think that's a brilliant point. And I, what people have to realise is that that £15 is being tacked on top of your already Sky or BT subscription. So they have yes. to pay and your season tickets. for football in the first place. And the season tickets haven't been refunded. and No one's been to a game. And there was this goodwill thing to get, you know, for people so they could watch all the matches. And, and I get it. I, I, I We had a little internal discussion amongst a couple of um, other friends during when this came out. And we couldn't have been more disgusted in the, in, in, in the money, in just the tone deafness of the Premier League. And... They, they then they won up themselves again and came out with that bid to try and get the, you know, the six teams who could vote. And now they're talking about going to a super league. It's like, guys, seriously, get a grip. You want to bleed yeah. the people of Britain dry? You better watch out yeah. because they might turn around and have a smaller viewing audience as the uh, the basketball finals had
0: during um, their playoffs. Yeah, the NBA definitely did. That's it. Thank you guys for bringing up that point. It was. One of the most disgusting things I've seen in a fair while in sport and in Australia, we I can't speak for the NRL, but I know in the AFL um, clubs were saying, yeah, if you want your money back for your membership, that's fine, but we're not going to um, allow you to keep your years of membership. So there's people who spend, I know my auntie um, would spend a couple thousand dollars a year on her Richmond membership, for example. And if she put hers on hold this year, her years of service don't count. Now, I just think it's abs- I think sport in general, I'm not picking out any one sport at the moment, are just taking us for absolute or trying to take us for fools. And good on Newcastle United fans for saying get stuffed and, and supporting a course.
2: Yeah, well, you know, they don't want to put any more money in the back pocket of Mike Ashley. And I, I thank you for bringing up that point.
0: It should start. Yeah, amazing. Thanks, Pete, for that. Uh, an unbelievable game, uh, Tottenham and West Ham. It wasn't just the fact that Tottenham led 3 0 early on. They were just playing really free-flowing uh, football and it just goes to show the extended breaks are having at half-time. West Ham came into it and were almost unlucky not to win that game from 3-0 down I'm not sure if you guys saw that one, but that was a that was an
1: absolute ripper. Yeah, I think everyone's attention would have been on the uh, equalizing goal, Lanzini's strike, which found the top corners of the net uh, a brilliant, brilliant strike. But I guess you can't really take away from the celebrations that Devin Moyes had on the sidelines, uh, kind of mm-hmm. nine minutes yeah. of glory. You could see how much it meant to him personally on yeah. the sidelines, as well as his team. And you could see from the celebrations as well from the team, that kind of desperate relief Um it's yeah. suddenly there's something to believe in at West Ham again. Like, we haven't seen this for a little while. They've kind of been solid dwellers. They've been kind of scraping by and just, you know, doing what they have to do. But this was actually kind of a, an actual stamp of authority to say, you know what, maybe West Ham should actually be considered
0: as kind of like a top half of the table type of a team. I think they've got the squad and I think they play a style of football that, you know, it's, I think you are spot on. It's just about that belief because I think they're a much better team than the last few years have suggested. Um, they've spent a lot Leicester of money. Villa, uh, oh, sorry. They have spent a lot of money actually and that's gone a little bit under the radar. I know it's been spoken about a bit, but um, Villa start their undefeated season um, or continue their undefeated season with a uh, 1-0 win over Leicester and Barkley looking to be one of the signings of the season for us. Um scoring a a late winner there. and That was actually quite a good game. Either side could have won that.
1: Villa, one of Um, the only two clubs in Europe who are in the top five leagues, still unbeaten in competition. So Aston Villa and AC Milan, uh, they can kind of claim that glory as being unbeaten in Europe currently. So Things are going very, very well for Dean Smith. And, like, I know, obviously, from a Villa fan's perspective, you will definitely be wanting this to continue. And you can see kind of the strategic signings of Ross Barkley coming in, what he's really able to bring into that side, how much he actually frees up Jack Grealish to just basically no longer have all the attention on him. And instead, you know, Villa players can just play and play with freedom and play with joy.
0: Well, McGinn, McGinn's not injured, so he's playing out wide. Ross Barkley can play in the middle. You've got Grealish, a free role, and Ollie Watkins. And it doesn't matter what league you're in or what division. If you score goals, you're invaluable, right? So, Watkins has been a great signing. And whilst I don't expect this run to continue, I definitely... went There's no fear of relegation this season, which is a major... Has any that. club
2: benefited in any sport more from... Coronavirus's arrival on the Europe on the European continent and acid Villa.
0: Probably not. Um, we were gone, um, as everyone would know, seven points from safety when the COVID break occurred, and we've come back and, and to be honest, have been probably the informed team of uh, of the EPL, um, and COVID has literally saved the club. Um, we know with uh, financial fair play and so forth. If Villa hadn't stayed up, the next few years would have been extremely scary. And now it's—I I don't want to talk about you know benefiting from COVID. I think you are right, John. But the future, because of something bad, is looking very bright for Villa. It's amazing how things—if
2: you hang in there, man. Like I mean, there's always gloom and doom and dark clouds hanging over some clubs. And I mean, you know, this time last year when we were speaking, man, you were saying. I don't even care if they go down. The way they play is horrendous. And, and you did say that on a number of occasions. And look yep. look at them now. They're flying. And a couple of little tweaks
0: here and a little bit of self-belief. And suddenly, you're well-beaters. I know you took on, uh, on my voice there. And I do appreciate um, being mocked. But we were playing as bad a football as you can ever see, John. And I, I agree with you but with belief. But it, it wasn't just that we were going down. They weren't even looking like competing. And that you, you can't, as a fan, tolerate when your team's not competitive. You, you, even if they're not good enough, you want them to have an absolute go. And, and, and we certainly did not look like that for most of last season.
2: That's true. This is a fantastic turnaround.
0: West Brom and Burnley. Now, you can say New All draws are terrible. But this actually was a terrible game. Uh, and I watched a fair bit of it. It was an absolute stinker. Yeah, um, look, we talk we talked about
1: pay per view. Hopefully the fans are actually paid to watch this game. At the very least, they get refunded and get a free game coming up soon. Because yeah, look, really feel sorry for the West Brom and Burnley fans having to sit through ninety minutes of that.
0: <laughs> it was it was as bad as New Orleans as you could ever get. And and in the final game of the uh, of the week, uh, Wolves, um against Leeds. Leeds absolutely dominated massive parts of this game and, and probably should have had the game put away. They probably should have been two or three up. Um, just didn't take their chances. A couple of just miscues. And as we know in football, you don't take your opportunities. Wolves, Wolves get the winner and um, they're back on track. And Leeds is a great start of the season. It hasn't faltered, but it's it's not looking as great as it was. Yeah, well, if we think about Wolves, obviously, uh,
1: three quarters of their squad have obviously been away on international duty with Portugal. So, uh, Walker's back into that lineup. We can see what Wolves are really trying to do. That their style of play is really enjoyable. Uh, Leeds, uh, we know exactly what Leeds are going to bring to pretty much every game with their intensity, their intent to get forward, uh, their momentum, anytime they've got the ball. They're so well organised in defensive transitional moments and you can see the willingness that players have to be able to get back and try and win possession. Um, This was a really properly exciting game. I think that Wolves fans will definitely be celebrating that they got all three points. But for a Leeds fan, um, you've got nothing to be disheartened about. Um, the The fact that, you know, five games into the season, you've had two wins, you've had a draw. Things are actually looking decent at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any games you boys looking forward to uh, this weekend? I have to say Villa Leeds. I think there's going to be a lot of goals in that. I don't know who will win. I can't see that being a draw. Any games that stand out for you guys?
1: Yeah, look, I, I personally think that West Ham City is going to be quite an interesting game to see how David Moyes sets things up against uh, Pep Guardiola's team. Uh, that will obviously be at the London Stadium, so I'm quite interested to see uh, how this one kind of plays out, whether West Ham could actually sneak a result here against a city side who have kind of been a little bit underwhelming. Uh, it'll be also be really interesting to see how Liverpool end up shaping up against Sheffield United, whether we'll see kind of a potential change of, uh, a a potential change of shape or personnel or what ends up happening, because not only is Virgil van Dijk out injured, but Yomar Tip has also picked up an injury and he would kind of be the replacement centre-back in in defensive roles there. So we could see Fabinho step in. Uh, And then if we look uh, a little bit later on in the week, we also have Wolves against Newcastle. I think that this game could actually kind of dictate what we're going to kind of see from Newcastle this season um, they they have played good football at times so a- against the likes of Wolves this could actually be something that really kickstarts Newcastle season
0: John any thoughts here mate? No, we lost uh, lost John there for a second. I think United-Chelsea is going to be a a game to watch. I'm not sure if it will. Jeez, two coaches Um, who are under pressure at the moment. Oh, jeez. I think the Champions League game uh, this morning might have uh, taken a bit of pressure off there. And the the one that kind of interests me tactically is Arsenal-Leicester. Because they're two teams that, you know, this is the kind of game, one of them just needs to take by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, exactly right.
1: You can kind of see what Brendan Rodgers wants to try and achieve with Leicester. There's kind of that no-frills attitude, which, you know what, blends in perfectly with the likes of Leicester. It's get the ball up front and it, it doesn't always have to be pretty football to be effective football, Um but the thing is, it, it works, uh, as you mentioned with Arsenal, the likes of Mikel Arteta. He's trying to really stamp his authority with that lineup and kind of every game that we've seen Arsenal play since Arteta took over in charge as the head coach. Uh, sorry, as the head manager now, because obviously Eddie's change of titles before the season kicked off, um, we're starting to understand what Arsenal are really kind of trying to create, uh, what their style of football is going to be, what they're going to look like every time that they're uh, taking the field. So again, yeah, that could be a really interesting fixture between two great sides. Absolutely.
0: We still got you there, John? Just not hearing John there at this stage. Um, not sure if he's dropped out or not. There, uh, Champions League this morning. Uh, United really big win over PSG, and probably the shock of the uh, of the morning for me was Latio over Dortmund, three um, one there. I just thought Dortmund. Just didn't put a shift in. Yeah, look, Dortmund's uh, always been
1: one of those interesting teams who can play great football, great uh, young attacking talent. They they kind of um, they've almost become like the Ajax of German football in terms of th- they they get these young footballers ready to go. Uh, they've got the likes of uh, Reina up front, then obviously Jadon Sancho. Uh, they they've got this attacking fluidity at, at uh, Dortmund. But it just wasn't to be, uh, as you say, Lazio claiming all the points in their fixture with the 3-1 victory. Um, and we also uh, got to see the likes of Juventus uh, against uh, Dynamo Kiev. Um, obviously, all eyes are on Juventus at the moment with the likes of Andrea Pirlo as the head coach uh, over there in his rookie season as a coach. Obviously, he only had nine days with the under-23 squad before he got himself yeah. promoted. So... Uh, everyone's attention will be on Juventus to see what they can actually do in this competition and what they can do <clears throat> sorry in uh, the city uh, as they progress
0: absolutely uh, John we still got you there mate. can you hear me now yes we can mate We've, we're, great timing because we're going to turn our attention to another brand of football we're going to go Six rounds in. Some interesting results this week. We had um, the Broncos beating the Pats. So the Pats, two and three for the first time in many, many years. Um, the Titans just getting up in overtime, uh, 42-36 over Texans. Steelers just rolling along. And ben, Big Ben not playing a great game, but absolutely thumping the Browns 38-7. to Ravens 5-1, and one, but unconvincing again over the Eagles. In possibly, the Eagles are in possibly the worst division I've ever seen uh, in NFL in my life. Giants getting over the no-name Washington team 2019. Uh, Falcons beating the Vikings. There's, two, there's four 1-5 teams there. Lions beating the Jags. Uh, Colts beating the Bengals. Bears continue their great run. I know you don't want to hear that, mate. Uh, Jets just deciding not, they just shouldn't turn up for the rest of the season. Grab Trevor Lawrence. Your Packers, mate, I'm not sure what happened there. You can tell us a little bit more about that. Um, Tom Brady's uh, Buccaneers getting up 38-10. 49ers, they played an excellent game against the Rams uh, 24-16. Chiefs did it pretty easy against the Bills, 26-17. Not a great game there. And the Cardinals absolutely smashing the luckless uh, Cowboys' um, Thirty-eight to ten. There. What were your takeaways from the week, mate?
2: Well, I think we start with the Cowboys. and start that NFC Easters. That's the way things happen in the NFL, isn't it? And uh, it's always the glamour yeah. division. And I watched the Cowboys team with an atrocious defense. Um, obviously, their quarterback's gone down. They've got a new yeah. coaching structure. I was, I was a bit surprised to hear. And Pete, you've been interested in this. But this is a team. This is the. Oh my goodness! This is like the. It should be at a level of a Real Madrid football-wise yeah. in 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 the NFL. They've been middling for 10 years under a, a former coach, a former player. They put him out to pasture. They bring in a new guy as a Super Bowl winning head coach. They get some injuries. They are really struggling. And I started to see reports this morning, I'm not sure if you saw them, Paul, that the players are complaining about Jason Garrett's coaching methods. Not Jason Garrett, about,
0: about Mike McCarthy's coaching methods. Mike, Mike, Mike one of the great coaches in, in the last few years of the NFL. And that, I think what you just said there sums up the Cowboys. Uh, you know, never do they fly under the radar, whether it's the ownership, whether it's the players mouthing off. They are America's team in one of the greatest stadiums you'll, you'll ever see with heaps of money to buy any staff that they need to buy, because there's no limit. There's no cap, I believe, on staffing and so forth, is there? No, there's not. Um So they have literally a physio per player. It's, it's. I'm not exaggerating. They've got every possible thing you can imagine. And I think it's the weight of pressure now. I don't just think it's the... The, the defence has been so bad the last few years. They haven't even looked to plug that defence. That defence that and I watched know,
2: the weekend against... um against the Cardinals is amongst the worst organised looking units I've seen on either side of the ball for years. And that's including and, the Jets. And, that's,
0: and the thing is, though, like they haven't really looked. Um, it's, for me, I want my team to have a great uh, defence and then build the offence after that. That's just me. Because it doesn't matter how many points you score. If the opposition can get the ball easily, they can run down the clock. And it just changes the whole game. You've got a bad defence, you're in big trouble. As soon as you're behind the game, you know you know what I'm talking about, John. The game's just completely gone from you. I do, and I think it's really um,
2: important that we clarify, though, that for people who don't follow the sport closely, that you, it's like the AFL where you can spend what you want on your front office and your and your backroom staff, but they're limited by salary cap and who, who they can and can't pay player-wise. Yeah. And there is a draft in place as well. So it's quite an even call. It should be.
0: Look, it should be. Absolutely, it should be. And it it goes to show um, how great the teams, you know, like the Steelers, the Packers, um, obviously the Patriots, to overcome all of that year after year after year. Um, The team I'm really enjoying this
2: year is, um, I've got to be honest, is uh, I'm loving watching the Titans. I love the way they play and I love Derek Henry, their running back. And I I love the philosophy of Mike Brable, their coach, which is like a if you build a brick wall, I'm going to smash it down. Uh, he's just such a tough, hard guy and they built their team up with big, strong offensive and defensive linemen. Probably the most exciting running back I've seen for years. And what's also interesting from a Dolphins point of view that um, Ryan Tannehill, who's was discarded by the Dolphins after years under the great Adam Gase's tutelage, looks like an MVP candidate, again, two years in a row. What do you think about that, Paulick?
0: I've always... I've got a Ryan Tannehill jersey, so I Mm. think that says everything that I think about him. Mm. Um, He's not... He's not the most mobile. He's not the most accurate, but he's your all-round quarterback. And his ego is... He's a really lovely guy, and so his ego is in check. So he's happy to hand the ball off to the running backs. And, And why wouldn't you hand it off to arguably one of the great running backs we've seen in recent years. I mean, this guy, how big is he and how fast is he? And he finds the gaps. So he doesn't just run over people. He looks for the gaps as well. I love the phrase they um, use in what... the
2: NFL, which is like the later it gets, the um, the further downhill it looks like he's running. Because the bigger he gets, and oh, he yeah. just—he literally, his yards increase all the way. And then at the back end of drives, remember last year in the playoffs, when they won that first playoff game, his game was out of this world, he's otherworldly. I'd give it anything to have him playing for the back he,
0: he reminds me. I, and we always compare in sport, don't we? But he does remind me a bit of Bo Jackson. That's exactly who he reminds that, me of, dude. Yeah, just. I, I don't want to. I want to knock on wood because I don't want to risk the injury that Bo Jackson had, and and. Uh, we know, uh Pete, that you're not the biggest NFL fan. Um, but Bo Jackson, if you get a chance, and I always say it don't I, every every second week, have a look at his highlights in baseball and NFL. He was unbelievable. Uh but closest thing I've seen in my NFL watching um to a Bo Jackson and he's definitely gonna exceed his, his football uh prowess, obviously. I think what you said about Tannehill yeah. oh, oh sorry, John, I didn't mean oh, no, go I was, ahead. What, what you said about Tannehill. Mm. He's getting confidence and he had a lot of injuries at the Dolphins as well. And a lot of Dolphins fans recognize that. He had a lot of injuries and he looks injury free. He's got a good O line and he's got a running back. So they don't know when he's going to pass and he doesn't need to pass a lot for them to be successful.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say there's something funny for Pete. I'm not sure. I can't, I'm trying to, you're always trying to think of comparisons in sport. But if you're looking for bad business models, you need to look no further, Pete, than the Houston Texans who. Made a trade with Miami last year, wasn't it, Paul? They made a trade with Miami, and uh, our players who went in that trade to Miami, Paul.
0: Oh, so I made on, yeah. Um, there was a number of players, wasn't it? Um,
2: but it was just a, a an average running back, wasn't it? And so anyway, um, Miami now holds Houston's trade, and it's got a fair chance. It looks like of actually going number one as the number one draft pick. Um, because the team that traded away their pick has absolutely flatlined and tanked, and won't get the benefit of that. I don't think they've got a draft pick for um, until round
0: four. No, they don't. And I don't want to go on about my team, but they've, the next two years we've got because of, we tanked and we threw away all our players. Now we've got number one and two. I uh, sorry, we've got first and second round draft picks coming out of our. You're in a great position. Left shoulder. We are, for the first time in years, I can actually say that. But the team who actually impressed me with a lot of injuries was actually the 49ers against the Rams. I actually thought they looked pretty good. And I didn't expect them to with the number of injuries they've got.
2: I think it's a one-week sample size. Their other two wins came against the two New York teams. Um, And their losses came against stronger sides. They're going to have to do more than that to impress me because at the moment we could roll roll out um, me, you and Pete by ourselves and probably take apart the Jets.
0: Uh, we would, actually. I'd like to I'd see things right, streaking right, down I'd just that sideline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, with the with I'd the full headset on the sidelines as well, with uh, yes. an assistant coach who whose sole job is just to make sure that I don't walk on the field and pulls me back.
0: It has happened. No, you'd be out there, mate. You'd be out there. Uh, I'd be just checking down to you as a tight end there, John.
2: Oh, no, I'll take him for you, mate. Don't worry. I'll block for you as well
0: love a good blocking tight end. Um, so just a really brief coverage there. Um, I At the moment, we're six rounds in, and I can't really get a feel for what's happening. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any absolute favourite, but the Steelers, as we said earlier, they thumped the Browns, and Ben, Ros- uh, ben Roethlberger didn't even play that well. So your the next couple of weeks, you're going to probably start sorting it out a bit. Right? Uh,
2: you know, I watched um, uh, the, the Chiefs, uh, the full game, yeah. and w- the, one of the problems with watching NFL is the full game feed goes for three hours, and I and I like the full yes, game feed because I like the pace of the game being played at pace rather than you know the broken up highlights, and yeah, and yeah. um, you know, I'm watching Pat Mahomes and that guy's got magic in his arms. I think that Kansas City, where they get Le'Veon Bell into their team as a backup running back, they've got uh, the their rookie Clyde Edwards Hilaire playing out of his skin. They've got a great, well-organised defence. They're the Super Bowl champions. They've got the best quarterback in the comp. Um, They've got a great coach. I think they're going to be pretty hard to beat.
0: I just love what you said then. Yeah, they've got a backup, Le'Veon Bell. Who would have thought that a few years ago? No, I don't think he's there for his personality uh, traits. uh, He's certainly not. He's certainly not. Hey, guys, we've got a couple of grand finals on this weekend. But before we cover those grand finals... I'm not sure if you guys actually got to see this on the weekend because there was Bathurst and there was AFL finals and NRL finals or whatever. Cricket, everything was happening. It was a great weekend of sport. It was a brilliant grand final on the weekend. Hasn't got that much media coverage. And it was played in Queensland. And that was the Super Netball grand final. I actually watched it. It was an absolute ripper. I'm not sure if you guys saw any of it, highlights, anything like that. No, uh, basically all I know
1: is that uh, the Super Nepal final ended up having some huge TV viewership with kind of just under half a million TV viewers uh, throughout the the final itself. Um, But I believe that it was uh, close to a million people on Channel 9 who kind of tuned in and out at different times during the final as well. Sensational to be able to see the coverage that, uh, Channel 9 have brought in. Obviously, uh, there's been plenty of kind of um, disagreements or plenty of love with the uh, the super shot that was played across the Super Netball season. Um, but, you know what, it was actually a great season for kind of just how the teams really set themselves up. And as you mentioned, it was a really interesting uh,
0: grand final as well. So the Vixens getting up by two goals over the West Coast Fever. And um, that super goal, the two-point goal, comes in in the last five minutes of each half, I believe. And if I'm wrong there, I'm wrong. But the teams didn't really look like they adjusted for those shots this year. The the shots from that range... um, I've got girls, a number of girls who play netball, so I follow it pretty closely. The shots were really awkward. It was like someone um, who could shoot a two-pointer in basketball, but once they get to the three-point range, their, their technique changes completely. I don't like it at all, but it got people talking about the game this year. And you know what?
1: That That's actually kind of the, the key of what um, of Super Netball's kind of marketing strategy was this season. That You know what? The, the season had kind of... Faded into only the true faithful fans who had been around for so long that were kind of like quietly consistent. But by bringing in the likes of the super point uh, towards the end of games that you mentioned, it, it actually started more conversations. It, it, it's like, you, you know, I always bring back to football because that's the sport that I coach and love and play and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I fab the guys who bring out the laws of the game, they want to bring in so many different rule changes. But the thing is, it gets people talking and it gets people off their seats, it gets people on social media messaging and starting discussions. And you know what? It it can actually only be a good thing when everyone starts to say, Oh, I agree with Super Shot, I hate Super Shot, oh, it makes no sense in the last five minutes, oh, it makes perfect sense in the last five minutes. It just makes a a discussion.
0: I,
2: I, I, my little anecdote on that is that when we were staying in Bar two weeks ago, is that the four teams involved in the semi finals were all at the same hotel as us. So I got to meet a few of the girls. And I got to say, it's incredible. Um, it's an incredibly, it's like a League of Nations. Um, so many people yeah, from different is. places. It was, uh, it was fantastic to be around. And um, I didn't go around getting, you know, selfies and putting them on Facebook, but, uh, it was it was nice to um, be around them and say hello and stuff and um, they were a great bunch of girls.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, look, we want to talk about you know hubs in sport and so forth, but they had to be uh, in that hub situation as well. So incredible sacrifices by um, those those girls and their families and the coaches as yeah. well. So congratulations to the Melbourne Vixens. It was a Fabulous grand final! It, it really looked like it could have gone either way, and and their experience showed out in the end. Um, we had Bathurst at the same time, so you're flipping between different things. And Shane van Gisbergen won. I'm not sure how close do you guys follow uh, um, motorsport, but that's like there's a few Grand Prixs I'll certainly watch, and you know I don't watch the, the supercars and so forth too often. I won't watch NASCAR, but Bathurst is one of those that I've always watched and. It was another controversial Bathurst, which they always are. Um, pace cars and everything came into play and really uh, Shane Van Gisbergen almost gave up the lead three times in the last few laps. So, yeah, pretty good. Back it there. was, but not- can we
1: also highlight, um, you know, the likes of Super Cheap Auto? It's not often that we can kind of say that a sponsor kind of stole the highlight of the Bathurst race itself, but... <laughs> If you haven't already checked out Super Cheap Auto's um, advertisement, which is their fake press conference saying that this was the final year of the sponsorship, uh, being the major yes. sponsor with Bathurst looking to kind of fulfil a more international audience from next year onwards. Mate, check it out. It goes for about four or five minutes and it's well worth the watch with Super Jeep Auto really stealing the headlines in, in kind of this pre-game event.
0: Have you seen, uh, have you seen that, uh, that ad at all, John? Uh, no, I, I'm not going man. The well, realistically, what, what Pete just said, I, I love studying commercials and stuff. It's part of my kind of career and everything like that, but it is such a clever, how hey, you're getting rid of us. Well, let's do a, a fake, uh, press conference. It's, it's a really clever bit of marketing by them. So I totally agree there. Um, now they had the Everest over the weekend in New South Wales, and, and Pete, you're probably better positioned than any of, than John and I. Um, did it grab people's imagination in New South Wales? looked
1: tough one because yeah, it kind of caught people's attention, and kind of uh, it's always going to, but it wasn't kind of the headline stealing event that you know you, you kind of your mainstream sports of your NRL, your AFL. Um, kind of get, uh, so in a way it was kind of disheartening to not see as much promotion as we probably have in the last
0: few years Well congratulations to Classic Legend and and the, and the uh, all the connections there and obviously with the Everest people can fill slots, um, so horses don't qualify um, like they would by winning certain races, they they actually get um, almost bought into those slots, so it's an interesting concept that's Really was Pete Melandis trying to put that? Because contra- oh,
2: I'm not a horse contra- racing guy at all. But was he trying to put yeah. that up against the Melbourne Cup?
0: Is that right? He he was, but it's getting a lot of international, um, getting a lot of international coverage there, and, and it, it's going to have its place in Australian sport over the next few years. But if you want to talk about reading the temperature in the room, guys, have you heard about what's happened with the Cox Plate in the last few days? Oh, jeez, this
1: is yeah, uh, a really interesting. Situation going on. Will you have fans? Will you not have fans? Will you have trainers? Will you not have trainers? Is it socially acceptable? And is the event going ahead? Good gosh. Could this be more muddled up?
0: So realistically, what happened is they said, we're going to allow, you know, they've still got a lot of the lockdowns in Victoria. It's now a 25 kilometre radius from your home. Oh, wow. Thanks for that. Uh, Dan Andrews and co. I'm not going to judge your, uh, your timing, except for this, you've then said, oh, but we're going to allow 1,000 people to bet the Cox Plate. So only 10 people can be in any household to watch the AFL and NRL Grand Finals in Victoria, but 1,000 people can potentially go to the races. Um, They have changed that decision in the last, uh, I think, 10 or 12 hours where it's only going to be the uh, trainers and jockeys and so forth there. But it's just terrible reading of the room to even think that, you could allow a thousand odd people to go to the races. It's Only the method, most privileged
2: of people. The connections, wasn't it? And the yeah. trainers. I don't mind the trainers being there, but, but I think um, millionaires nah. going for champagne and hat 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 parades is a, is a, just a, it's a terrible
0: look. It was a shocking look. And uh, look, I'll give credit where credit's due. They've, they've, copped the backlash and they've reversed the decision Uh, in a lot of sports Out in the last nine laps, Jack Smith and Bryce Fullwood uninjured A classic Holden v Ford Bathurst battle between Van Gisbergen and Waters ended with the Red Line's last Holden Raw Van Gisbergen
1: takes victory at Van
0: Panorama Western's career for the Melbourne Vixens here The Declan taken 40 seconds this could very well their premiership. Oh, can you believe it? The West Coast Grand Final in they'll go down not and... do that. Wallabies were horrendous on the weekend and can be expected playing against New Zealand, they can make any team look terrible. But I was really excited about the Wallabies in this game.
2: They took a step backwards. That's for sure. But, you know, they took a huge step yeah. forward the week before in Wellington, and we haven't spoken about that since. Yeah. So they're still in the Bledisloe Cup. Uh, they're a much... I think overall they're a better coach team. You have to expect... I, I, I would think that going to Eden Park and taking on the All Blacks would be amongst the... Has to be amongst the five historically hardest tasks in all world sport. So you've got to be ready.
0: I just love... Uh. You're, you're right, but it's so funny that the All the Blacks are the enemy, but I just love the brand. I just think it's it's one of the great brands in world sport, you know, that we've spoken about that on a number of occasions, and their air of in- uh, invincibility is fabulous. I, I'd it's to taken see... a knock in recent yeah, times because of the World
2: than. Cup. They were poor. Uh, and they had the drawn series yeah, against yep. the British and Irish Lions. I believe that there's an opportunity for Australian fans to hang in there with this current Wallabies unit, I think they've got some excellent young front row coming through. And I think that you lay everything in that area. Um, If you're going to compete in rugby, you've got to compete up front. Doesn't matter what happens. I mean, even more so than rugby league. I mean, you can't do squat if you can't get the ball. And it will protect what you've got. And And I think that on the up and up, they've got an excellent coach. And you have to know that the New Zealand public even despite what happened at the weekend, is all out on the coach that they've appointed. And yeah, and yeah you're you right. they trip over here, right. you
0: know. Two grand finals coming up this weekend. Um, we'll start off with the NRL grand final, and look, they were they were up there most of the year. These two teams um, fighting for first and second for a lot of the year. Uh, we, we've got the Storm taking on the Panthers going to be an absolute ripper. You're going to get a lot of points. Um, guys, what do we What do we think of this match?
1: Well, I'll, I'll jump in with the fact that, you know, this is exactly what grand finals are meant to be. Uh, first versus second in a, a real contention. Uh, and the fact that these two teams have been kind of so well balanced throughout the whole season. Obviously, we've seen the likes of the Storm go down in four of their fixtures uh, this year. But Panthers have kind of been really consistent. So I I know uh, a few Panthers fans, which will definitely be uh, quite, you know, I wouldn't say confident, but I'd say if you're going to put a tip on the game, you'd probably be tipping Panthers at the moment.
0: I just think we've got two grand finals this weekend where you can genuinely, genuinely mount an argument for any of the teams winning. And that's been pretty rare in recent years. And well, mate, I'm a storm man, but, and, and I really have no idea how this one's going to go. Your thoughts there, John?
2: Penrith have played great all year. Uh, they haven't yep. been at this level for quite some time. I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but every year I pretty much struggle to know. I always think Penrith is going to go great. And then they just flop because um, they've got so many um, yep. quality players. I just think that I can't imagine Cameron Smith and his team not sending that guy out with a win. And he's had disappointment at grand finals before. I think one of the underrated things about Cameron Smith is, yep. and I don't know where he gets his bad reputation from, but he's one of the classiest guys win or lose at a big event that I've ever seen in any sport. And uh, he will put his hand up and he'll congratulate the other team. But but not just say it like full credit, he'll actually be genuine actually, with them, talking about what happened and that and, Um, I still don't think that they should have been docked their premierships. I don't think that those rules have been fairly applied across all the other clubs in the comp at different times. Um, And I hope that he goes out. The guy's an absolute icon of Australian sport. I think he's going to go down and sit at the very top table of sports people we produce in this country.
0: I think what you said there, and and I'm obviously very biased. I'm trying not to say too much. That Storm team... Which sometimes gets vilified by you know because they are from Victoria, obviously, most of the players who 've played for them, their legends have all been terrific human beings and uh, look let's let 's be honest about the panthers as well it 's been a great year, the experience uh, in this grand final that the Storm have may hold them instead. I think it's a really close game and let's hope it is a classic grand final. Um, we, we, we deserve one and I think we might get it on, on Sunday I think night.
2: Isaac Yeo or um, Pappenhausen to, to be man of the match. But one of those two guys is going to turn the game for their team, not necessarily the regular dudes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm still thinking the fox. I'm still thinking the fox uh, has got a bit to prove in one of his last seasons at the Storm. I wouldn't be surprised if he scored a hat trick, to be honest. But uh, it's going to be a ripper, and let's really, really hope it is. Um, we turn to the historic AFL Grand Final, and before we do that, absolute credit to one of the classiest footballers, one of the nicest guys. I love seeing nice guys succeed, and Lockie Neal. One of the most remarkable Brownlow wins you will ever see. Uh, I could be wrong here. If I've got the numbers wrong, John, this is your expertise. 31 votes in seven. Yeah, games. and
2: if they had played the a full season, he would have gone to an all-time record.
0: Yeah. Uh, just a mag- magnificent season. He influenced games, got a lot of touches, and probably went the next step this year where he's had games where he's had a lot of possessions in recent years, and he's been really good. But hasn't been probably as effective as I would have liked for how many possessions he got. But this year, he was doing it up forward. He was going down back and defending. And, and he was winning clearances at will. It, it, one of the great put, Brownlow medals. To put those points in context, in the mind. three
2: absolute legends of the Brisbane Lions, Australian Rules Football Club, who won Brownlows um, in this century Ackermanis, uh Voss, and um, Simon Black. The, the highest point score amongst that lot was 21.
0: I suppose you're right. I suppose the argument there is they were such a great team. They probably stole one of votes off each other um, to, to, to some point as well. Um, but, look, congratulations. Obviously, extremely disappointed. He would hand that Brownlow over every week, I reckon, to be in the grand final um, on Saturday night. He tried night. pretty hard to lift him. He tried uh, pretty hard to lift him final. in that
2: semi-final in that in that preliminary final and he, well, he, a couple he of good goals and he couldn't have done it. Look, anymore, it wasn't mate. to be and I I believe that in a lot of sports this is the thing about Penrith as well. I think it, it takes time to to develop that absolute top culture, but by the same token when you get there you've got to take a chance or you might disappear at the back end. But I I think the lines are cut and, for and, long term. I, yeah. I like the long game for us.
0: I really like the long game for, in any sport um, when when the structure's there. You've got a great coaching structure. You've got really good recruitment there as well. You've got good recruiters. You've got good assistant coaches, and that really holds you in great stead. I think that's an underestimated um, aspect. Something you said earlier about the NFL is a little bit different in the AFL, John. Um, the AFL does have a soft yeah. salary cut, so it is. it, it does stop. Um, that's why a lot of the assistant coaches move around so much, because there is a cap on what you can spend on your doctors, physios. But weren't Collingwood coaches. always paying way more um, for their football department than everyone else? Uh, they were, but they're not, okay. allowed, not allowed to anymore. So, um, so no club can do that because it, it would be the teams like the Richmonds and the Collingwoods and so forth with the massive members that would be able to spend almost unlimited <clears> amounts. <throat> really, um, I don't like it. I think you've got to have something that makes you successful. Like, I don't know, may, maybe my viewpoint on the, uh, well, I think you're costing people jobs, having a soft seller account on, on coaches and, and, and so forth. You I think, think that sometimes, I rights. don't know what Pete thinks, you can
2: have way too many people hanging around a football club all doing jobs that don't really exist.
1: Yeah, look, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll say, as long as there is kind of a purpose behind everyone's roles, and that everyone's roles is clearly defined in terms of when they're needed and when they're not needed, then there's validity. But once you start having people start lingering around because, you know, they're needed but at the same time they're not wanted, then, yeah, definitely agree with you that uh, you could have too many people and too many cooks uh, spoiling the kitchen kind of thing.
0: Well, it's a historic night. Um, The Gabba hosting the grand final, 30,000 people. The um, members, uh, Richmond with 3,500 Queensland members and Geelong with 1,000 members, Um, their allocations went straight away. There were 16,000 members up for grabs. Um, I believe there's a number of supporters from Adelaide as well. Uh, Richmond's got 3,500 or 4,000 members in Adelaide and about half of those are coming across for the game. Um, I think the neutrals will certainly barrack for Geelong and there will be the Geelong supporters there as well. But this grand final will never be repeated again in Queensland in my, in my life. Yeah, on quick track. one. What did so you guys make event. of
1: the, uh, the, the movement of grass from the MCG up to uh, Queensland for this final? A bit of a, a publicity stunt or kind of a, a, a reason to kind of ensure that
0: the history of the league stays intact? Have a look at the truck that was behind. When the grass gets – that that bit of turf gets taken up, have a look at the truck that it was transported on. Did you guys see the truck at all? Yep. It was Rebel Sport. Yep. So a lot of people have have bagged the AFL for spending all this money bringing the turf up from the MCG uh, to the Gabba, which I think is useless, by the way. I I don't like it. But it was completely paid for by Rebel Sport. They were on every For, new uh, channel.
2: When I go to the places that are important to me sports-wise, so uh, as I, as soon as I walk into St. James's Park, I go. To, I walk into Lane Park, yeah. I go to the Gabba. You know, you go to the MCG or I've been to NRL grand finals, stuff like that. When you walk into a special place, you can feel it. And in Australia, to me, there's no more yeah. special sports ground than the MCG. I think there's a spirituality in sport. It's something you can't put your finger on. And you can't tell people not to feel no. it. I mean, even if it's sometimes like yeah. you know that that you, when you walk to your to your club that you played for, is, say you're going to uh, like I shouldn't use the term, but say if I was going to soccer China, my old club, right? And you walk in there and the lights yeah. are on and the Jews on the ground, and you feel it. And I got no problem with. I think it's a nice yeah. touch. Uh, the corporate advertising, well, come on, when isn't that around?
0: Oh, no, no, but I mean, I suppose what I'm saying there is, and I agree with what you guys are saying, is that the AFL didn't pay for it. So, you know, bagging the AFL for it, I think, is useless. It was paid for by Rebel and good on them. Um, so, you know, I tell you what they should do um, is they took the cricket around around the, up from the Gabba
2: and put it at the MCG so they got a decent wicket this summer.
0: <laughs> I, <absolutely>, I 100% <laughs> spot on agree. Uh, look, I went around the ground today myself, I had a bit of a look around, and I've never seen the gabba like this, so they've got all the, the massive tents up, there was hundreds uh, of of um, uh, people, like stadium event people and so forth, so I'm really interested to see what it's going to look like, they've um, updated all the food and, and beverage stands inside, and there's going to be people that's, you know, it's just going to be a very different event, and uh, John, like you, I've been to the Gather many, many, many times, but this is going to be something special. Um, I'm lucky enough to be a Richmond supporter. I'm lucky enough. I'm in the cheer squad. I'm on the front row behind the goals. So win, lose or draw, you're going to see me crying. Oh, I can't draw. You're going to see me crying with joy or sorrow. Um, But a shout out to my old man, Gary Fredrickson. He's going to be there with me. It's our first grand final together ever. We've both been to Richmond Grand Finals, but never to the same one. So um, I'm hoping that that we do it so Dad and I always can remember that. But even if we lose, we still went to a special Grand Final together. I think Richmond are going to win with the rain. Um, I think it'll be a really tight game. I think we're going to win by 13 points in a really scrappy game. Uh, Your thoughts, boys? I'm
2: pretty certain that after watching... I I had an epiphany during our, our preliminary final. And my epiphany was mm-hmm. I suddenly realised that all of the things I heard about Geelong were true and that they are, I mean, you've got the team that's been winning premierships in the last couple of years, but they're like Port Adelaide when we were winning. They're the, they're the, they're the team with all the star power. They, they've got so many great players in every you know from the front to the back of the ground, not just the out-and-out out superstars. They got all Australians at every level of the ground. They'll be very hungry because they've tasted a lot of disappointment. I think they showed against us that they're super strong. And I'm gonna go off the fact that we beat you guys around the ball in our in our in our, in our in, you know, in the first semi final. And...
0: But then we thumped then we thumped port on the ball, which we don't generally do, and then we thumped port in Adelaide exactly the same things that went wrong against you. You long made us look like children. Do you think it's the week break? Do you think it was the week break for both teams? Well, there was a month off
2: for the Lions because they they missed, um, you know, they had that ridiculous week before the semi-finals, which I I didn't agree with at all. And then, you know, uh, you know, in every sport, when when you start missing games, I don't, you want continuity. If you're on, if you play it well, you want to play it. Like, who wants to sit out and and, 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 and I think one game in a month uh, really wasn't fair on the top two teams. And that's why. And I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I'm simply trying to tip the grand final now. And I think Geelong will win. And if I was you, Paul, I'd make sure I'd make a booking early for the German club. Get in there. Have a good couple of beers in there because you're going to need them. Uh, it's going to get late real early for you on
0: grand final day. Well, as I said and and... You know me, I will never leave a game, uh, same as you guys. And if we do end up getting thumped, I'm going to celebrate an, a, a remarkable season for everyone who's gone through hell. And I'm going to celebrate the, my team, even when even if they do lose, I'm going to be there right at the end, clapping them off. I'm not going to be one of those people who ever leaves a game early. So I'm tipping Richmond by 13. Give us a margin there,
2: uh, I'll tip Geelong by, uh, tw- uh, by
0: three goals. Oh, Okay, and uh, Pete,
1: there? look, I'll, I'll tip Richmond by five. I think it will be. Uh, oh, I think it will be God. a nail brighter, a nail biter, right towards the end. But it will just be enough uh, in the fourth quarter oh, for Jesus. Richmond to get up. Oh my God!
0: I don't know if I'll be ever doing a podcast with you guys again ever. <laughs> <I> <laughs> well, look forward to uh, it happening at some point in the future.
1: Mate, I
2: got. and the one point games. I, I don't think you've got too much to. Throw the towel and about at the moment, mate. You'll
0: be all right. Uh, we didn't give us... Uh, with the Storm and Panthers, I'm going to say the Storm by eight. Um, score margins here, boys. I'll take the Storm
2: by one at Cameron Smith Field goal.
1: Oh, that would be a dream. <laughs> uh, I am edging more towards the Panthers by six.
0: Guys, it's been a, an amazing podcast. I've really, really enjoyed your inputs. So I like the fact that we don't agree on everything. I think that's really important in sport. Is there any other sports or anything else you wanted to um, – anything else special you want to mention before we leave tonight? I think
2: it's a special weekend for everyone this weekend. Uh, one way or another, if you like sport and you can't find something to enjoy this weekend, then you probably don't really like sport.
0: I I don't think you could could have said it any better there. Uh, Look,
1: there's there's plenty going on in terms of uh, blind sports at the moment. Uh, For those people who are interested, uh, the month of October is actually Vision Awareness Month. Uh, So there's plenty of things happening in terms of uh, the... Uh, planning for blind sports, New South Wales inclusion days. There's plenty going on uh, across the across Australia, actually, with the the growth of blind football Australia, as well as the preparation for the 2021 Tokyo uh, games. But uh, look, there's plenty of vision impairment sports who are actually really gearing up their their cycles, getting ready to compete at the Paris uh, 2024 20, Olympic Games. Uh, So this is kind of the most exciting time for athletes with disabilities uh, and vision impairments. So this is a very, very exciting time for all of them. Uh, And then i also give a huge shout out to the Deaf Football Ultras, a, uh, a number of the Deaf Football Australian national team have got together to kind of raise some funds. Uh, for the Heart Foundation and uh, have raised just over a $1,000 now. So uh, if anyone is interested in contributing towards uh, basically our technical director who has uh, decided he's going to be getting himself in in fighting fit shape, uh, as well as a number of our players who have decided that they would be walking marathons, uh, pretty much one uh, marathon a week uh, is what they're walking at the moment. uh, And to raise money,
0: you can check out Deaf Football Australia on Facebook. Yeah, it's a great initiative. And uh, Pete, we'll, we'll get people to have, a, if you can retweet some stuff out uh, at Pete Lovakowski, which is with a W, um, or and I'll retweet them at Paul underscore football. And I'm sure uh, John at Lambic Peach will also retweet those. Um, I've seen them on Facebook as well. Um, having played a little bit of, um, John, you know, I'm mm, a terrible yeah. cricketer. But having played a little bit of cricket with the yeah. blind cricketers, you, you actually wait so long for that ball. You, you swing early. It's amazing what the uh, blind cricketers can do. They're, they're sensational. So, yeah, they are. Uh, any final words there, boys?
2: That no, was fun, man. It's good. Good luck at the weekend, Paul. I hope it works out, boy Well,
0: you, I really appreciate it. If it doesn't, that's life, isn't it? We've got such a great sporting kaleidoscope to follow over the next uh, few years. Another episode of Love Sport Podcast. I've been Paul, your host, along with John and Super Pete Novikowski. An unbelievable weekend of grand finals coming up. Uh, Obviously, Cox played as well. If you can't enjoy your sport this weekend with the EPL and so forth as well, do you actually follow sport?